The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Finally, the puck has come back to our screen. Um, Okay, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I say it that way because (laughs) The Rock showed up at a NHL game in Toronto a couple of days back and started a badly delivered Go Leafs Go chant. Why? Apparently, he's a hockey fan. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But Toronto, really? I mean, he's from Florida. Why is he not like a a, a, a Panthers fan or, or Tampa Bay fan? He lives in L.A., I'm assuming, since he's in movies now or, or somewhere on the West Coast. I understand not being a fan of most West Coast teams, except for maybe the Kings. Toronto? I just don't get it. What's well, the connection? A lot of movies are filmed in California. I mean, in Tor- in the in the greater Toronto area, um, and Vancouver for that matter. Like Vancouver. Usually, they use Vancouver as a as a backdrop or a western part of the country. I mean, yeah, they do use Toronto as well. But anyway, uh, it's just just weird. But hey, I, I, welcome aboard, Rock. I mean, I don't know if you've been a hockey fan as long as say Snoop Dogg or if you just decided to join the NHL, you know, fandom, but uh, welcome aboard. <laughs> you know, um, so Dogg he was doing LA. He game. was born in Hayward, California. Okay. That's okay. up in the Bay area or, or at least Northern California. Yeah, I know he was um, at at university. Oh, you know what it is? What? His father was Canadian born. So he probably has, Family uh, there. Yeah. Okay. Um, almost certainly at least a few dozen cousin res- cousins running around somewhere. Well, all that being said, the sentiment is is the important thing, and that's that hockey is finally back again. We are playing actual games that count. We've got. Arizona, which is going to spend the first quarter of the season on the road because they still don't have a home. Uh, they're playing twenty. They're playing twenty road games to start the season. Uh, Does that even sound fair? Does that... I mean, the great part of it for them is if they somehow manage to almost be in playoff position when they finally get to stay home for a little while. Is that they're going to have? They're going to be well-rested every time someone comes in. Uh, even playing back-to-backs. I mean, they're not going to – they're probably not going to get on a on a plane for a month at the end of the year. They, they've, got close to to play, they've got to play better in front of Amalka just from the little bit I saw in the Bruins game or from the little bit of them. You've got Keller. You've got Kraut. You've got Lawton Kraus. You, you've got a – a very good top line, but not much else. I mean, there was a couple of goals Vimelko would want back in that game, but uh, 
at least three of them were self-inflicted by the fact that nobody was playing in front of him. Well, I mean, the, the Coyotes roster is not impressive. Correct. And that's where we probably should just leave it. I mean, it was it was an impressive win. The fact that the Bruins always complain about depth scoring have 11 goals from 10 different players. So I think the depth scoring thing is out the window at the moment. <laughs> um, it certainly appears that way. Um, and I would like to say that was the biggest surprise of the early season for me. But I don't really, really think it is even allowing for the Jake DeBrusque injury and now the Brandon Carlo injury on top of that. Um, what's been your biggest surprise uh, this year so far? My biggest surprise, I mean, outside of the fact that I haven't seen, I, I think my biggest surprise is I haven't seen as much hockey, hockey as I, I had hoped to see. <laughs> To be quite honest, I think uh, one I mean, of the, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think one of the biggest surprises is that Tampa Bay appears to be struggling a little more than I expected. I'm I I have to disagree. Like they lost Palat, they lost McDonough. I think those two people as sort of the I think those two guys were like. I hate to use the phrase, the st- phrases like the, st- the straw that stirs the drink, but those guys were key. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely, I, Palat actually was one of the straws that stirred the drink in Tampa Bay. Palat was a, uh, uh, played in all phases of the game. He he was very good penalty killer, um, ate up a lot of minutes, uh, shorthanded. He actually was a, a straw and he could be physical yet he could score goals. Yeah, I mean, he, he pretty much, he could do whatever you asked of him. It First wasn't, line, fourth line, didn't matter. He was yeah. going to get it done. So, yes, I actually think he was one of the straws that started to drink. I mean, can the biggest surprise be the fact that San Jose has played four games and hasn't won one yet? I mean, it, that is that is shocking. Um, or at least saddening because I, I mean, I don't like the Pacific division right now. I think it's largely terrible, but for me, the biggest shock comes down to two players. Ah, specific players. Okay. Two very specific players. Aiden Hill, Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson. I will. I should have said, I, I could have said that I watched the first game of Vegas and Logan Thompson has looked solid in net for Vegas. Um, he's got a 947 save percentage through two games. But they were panicking about goaltending when Leonard went down, which is understandable. I mean, oh, absolutely. Knowing how we feel about Robin Leonard, I could understand the panic of losing a number one goaltender of his caliber. But Logan Thompson, uh, I think, is showing us that uh, they don't need to worry quite so much. Well, if they keep playing the way they do in front of him. And like I said, I've only seen one game. I saw their opening night game. Against the Kings. 
and he just looked strong. I mean, the Kings looked fabulous in that game too. The 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 youth has definitely come to the front in that for the Kings. And I thought they were actually overdue. I thought they were actually going to pull it out. But I think there's too much of a veteran presence on Vegas to allow that. And ah. then they came back and won the game. But uh, yeah, Logan Thompson has definitely given them has definitely alleviated their stress out there in 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 the city of sin. I mean, the worry is though that they're between the two of them, they have all of 97 NHL games combined. Aiden okay. Hill, Logan Thompson, 97 NHL games. That's it. 22 for uh for Logan Thompson and the rest uh for Logan uh, for um Aiden Hill who is He's a tra- he's a for a, for a youngish guy. He's a traveled guy. Um, Aiden Hill. Let's see. He's uh Arizona. One of his stops. I don't think he had a stint before or between Arizona and Vegas. Um, I mean, he spent some time. He did spend some time in San Ho- or in the San Jose system. Because uh, he had a game last year with the San Jose Barracuda, um, he played he played a couple of a couple of games for the Springfield Falcons in the AHL as well. The Tucson Road Roadrunners. Um, I don't even think they have to worry about when La- when Lauren Brassois might come back. Although he definitely adds to the mix. Uh, but this, this to me, these two players playing this well with mm-hmm. all with a new coach and a new system up, uh, in front of them, assuming that you can call what their new head coach does a system. Um, <laughs> we have that. We have experienced that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but for both of them to be. Uh, look, a 9.39 and a 9.47, probably not sustainable throughout a whole season. That said, no. if these two guys can just be 9.16, 9.17 save percentage between the two of them for the year, this team is going to the playoffs. Yes. Got to make the second round. And... They're a really dangerous team. And then they're going to make Cassidy look like he's uh, some kind of genius. Honestly, it doesn't. This is this is hardly the. That first uh, Chicago Blackhawks championship of the Kane Taze era. But this is still a really good team. You've got Eichel, Marsh Assault. You've got Petrangelo, you've got Smith, you've got Stone, you've got Carlson, you've got Theodore, uh, you've got Keegan Colazar, um, Phil Kessel. I don't know whether he's going to have 25 goals this season or not. Three. Yeah, I I think he'll have more than three. Okay. Just a hunch. Fair uh, you got Alec Martinek there. Um, this is a team that can get stuff done. And if they manage to make it to 
January 1st, January 10th in a strong position. I mean, they're they're going to be able to coast. They are one of the older teams in the league. This is true. That being said, they've also got a wealth of playoff experience and Stanley Cup experience. I mean, Carlson with them from the beginning uh, went to Stanley Cup final. You got Riley Smith, same deal. You got guys like Petrangelo, uh, Stanley Cup winner. Um, Phil Martinez, two-time Stanley Cup winner. Phil Kessel, Stanley Cup winner. I mean, there's a lot of deep playoff run experience on this team, except in net. (laughs) I know this is going to sound weird, but I genuinely don't think that in net is the is the place that you most need a Stanley Cup experience. Because I don't... No, I think... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I'm inclined to agree because it, the guys that are playing in front of you who are, you know, possibly keeping the shots to a minute, goaltender just needs to be focused on doing his job. It, right. The angles honestly. don't change in the playoffs. The... The guys, uh, the the opposing team may get a better look at you, but you also get that better look at them. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not saying the goaltending gets easier in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs, but I don't think that it's as brutal on the body and the mind as as the as the skating positions. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and that may, that may well be why you, there are suddenly so many goaltending heroes, uh, uh, in the playoffs. They're just not as worn out as some of the other guys. Even when they play ridiculous minutes for, you know, the entire playoff run and maybe even the month before that, um, it's still not quite as physical. Um, I'm going to use your favorite phrase today. If the season ended today, if the the playoffs started today, Seattle is in a playoff spot, (laughs) which, which is mildly stunning. um, (laughs) Except that that division is terrible. Exactly. (laughs) I just find it humorous. I mean, I I hate the phrase. I hate the phrase. I hate the whole thing, but yeah, they're in a playoff spot as of two games into the season. (laughs) And Edmonton would be out. Yeah, Edmonton would certainly be out. Colorado and, is the last play, last wild guard team. Um, I'm it honestly more surprised that Minnesota is 0-2 than any other winless team being winless. Yeah. Even San Jose. I mean San Jose being 0-4 to lose your first four games. I, I'm I fear for David Quinn, but I think that where he was just recently hired, I think he gets a little bit of a leash. Uh, but that being said, like as I said pre uh, pre show, you know he gets to December and he's only got like three wins under his belt, four wins, then yeah, he needs to start he's polishing. Be backing up. But that being but yeah, where they just hired him and. I don't know what the direction of that team is. They 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 haven't seemed to settle on a 
we're selling, you know, we're sellers, we're buyers, we're, we're, we're fighting for a playoff spot. We're racing for 32. It, 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 they haven't really picked a direction yet. No. Um, and I mean, if we're going to mention the race for 32, Right now, San Jose is, in fact, leading that. Uh, Columbus just behind them. Uh, Arizona is only in 30th. Uh, but, wow, there are six winless teams. I fear no, for Carol. I, I fear for any goaltender in Arizona, unfortunately, but I do. I fear for Carol Vimelka. I think that he's going to get used and abused there. I mean, he's he's a he's a he's a he's a lesser known quantity in in the NHL where he's a left-handed goaltender. He catches with a he catches with his right hand. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and they seem to point that out every time I see an Arizona game where he's in net. It's I'm like, does that make it? difference he can't make the save because he catches with the other hand what i mean i don't understand why you're pointing this out but thank you i don't know some some announcers just have hang-ups all right so biggest surprises uh do you have a little tiny surprise no the smallest surprise ever to surprise matt murray is going to be out four weeks or so with a (laughs) Uh, He's been placed on the long-term injured reserve. Uh, I believe it was the dreaded lower body injury, LBI. Lower body, okay. Uh, Can we even call this a surprise anymore? I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Can we even call it? I guess that's why it's the tiniest of surprises. I was expecting it to take at least a week, and it failed to take that long. So, yeah, Uh, not I'm still not understanding. Okay, and and it's not that I wish ill will toward Matt Murray. I don't and I wish him a speedy recovery. I do. What I don't understand is Kyle Dubas's thinking of letting Jack Campbell run away to Edmonton. And signing a guy who has a a well-documented history of not playing an entire season. And thinking that that's going to solve your goaltending problems. First of all, your problem isn't in goal. Your problem is with the guys in front of the goal. Otherwise known as the people you... defense. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Otherwise known as the people you hire to be defensemen. that's your problem. Your problem is not the goaltending. Keep sending away decent goaltenders. Fred Anderson, uh, after he goes to Carolina, he, what? Oh, wait, almost takes them all the way. Uh, You know, it's, I'm sorry. Recognizing where your issues are and fixing them are two totally different things. And in Toronto, it appears never the two shall meet. But you bring in Matt Murray, who unfortunately has a history of not completing whole seasons in the NHL, and you think that that's going to solve your problem. And I'm sorry. I wish him a speedy recovery. I do. But this is – what's that definition of insanity again? Uh, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. 
Yes, replacing goaltenders over and over and expecting it. No, it, goaltending is not your problem. And uh. so Matt Murray has made his NHL debut in the nineteen or in the I'm sorry, the fifteen sixteen season. Mm-hmm. And it's not for those keeping track at home. It's now the twenty. 22-2020-23 season. In that time, he has only hit 50 goal, fifty games once. That was the 18-19 season, uh, where he popped it with a 9-19 save percentage, so pretty solid. The previous two years, he got all the way to 49 games. Um... The 1920 season, full year, 899 and only 38 games. 2021 season, yes, abbreviated season, but still only 27 games. Last year, 21-22, 20 games. And this year, he makes it into one game and done. Done. Four weeks. One, well, one game where he wasn't very impressive either. That's that's an understatement. Yes, yes. Eight twenty six save percentage before leaving the game. Just what? Um. Ouch. Now, you wanted to get into this one a couple of weeks ago, and every single time we and we've had to move it uh, a couple of times uh, simply because we chewed into other topics a little bit more extensively. Um, The Bleacher Reports way too early 2023 NHL mock draft by Lyle Richardson and company. Well, obviously, it's way too early because. As we're seeing right now, according to this mock draft, Arizona has the number one pick. And as as we all know right now, San Jose, I mean, it, it, it's lottery, so they could still get the number one pick. But The race for 32 has not yet been won. Uh, this is true. I, I but, need to stop putting it you know, the San Jose wants to, make, uh, wants to make a good effort. They should at least trade off a couple more play, a couple more players over the next week. Well, if you really want to trade, you know, they're not going to want to trade anybody young. That's the problem. They're not trading Drysdale. I don't know why anybody contacts them asking for Drysdale. I don't know why anybody contacts them asking for Zegris. I don't know why anybody contacts them asking for any of their plethora of young players. It's not going to happen. They are That's Anaheim. Zegris is Anaheim. Oh, sorry. Wrong team, San Jose. Um, San Jose is an older team. Okay, they can trade off all their pieces. Timo Pretty Meyer. Much, yeah. Timo Meyer, yeah. Tomas Hurdle, yeah. Still got Logan Couture. Is he healthy? <laughs> He's actually remarkably healthy, uh, particularly given that I've never been really impressed by his speed. He's not super slow, but I think he's below the 50th percentile. I mean, who else? Okay, do they have any youngsters that are cheap, inexpensive, excuse me. No. Nope. Okay. Literally no. Nico Sturm. Okay. He's a center, though. 
And Nico really Sturm is a really solid three C. Yeah. But I know, I know, but we have, we have Krejci back and we have, I'm, I mean, at the moment, the Bruins have like five guys who could realistically play three C. Yeah. I'm sure there are other teams who could use him if San Jose needed to move him and they'd be getting a good, they'd be getting a good player. Um, I (laughs) I would still like to know why he's not in Minnesota anymore. I Minnesota dealt him away. I have no idea why. Um, it might actually be interesting to see if Tampa makes a move to shake the team up. Uh, if they grab him. Because they lost some depth at center. He'd be an interesting fit there. I, I... I mean, my my wonder is, is he going to be aggressive enough? But let's dive into the draft. Um, Bleacher Report, overall, they have, at no surprise, Connor Bedard going first. Um, presently, Arizona Coyotes, since the Arizona Coyotes could use everything, starting with a building and continuing through a building... <laughs> And starting, also with a home. starting with a home. <laughs> yeah. The Vagabond Dogs uh, taking the best player available. Uh, if Connor Bedard lives up to 80% of the hype, he's going to be a first-line center who probably routinely pots 85 points a season. Okay. No-brainer. Like, no-brainer. I think it's a no-brainer. Whoever's picking in that number one spot is going to take Connor Bedard at this point. Unless we get into the same sort of over-analysis this season that we saw last season. Because I, I'm i not sure that I would go with the draft order we saw last June, July. But not me. Seattle no. Kraken, number two. Zach Benson. Um, Zach Benson, someone I'm a little less familiar with. Um, he is a small, and that's at 5'10", 160 pounds, as of the writing of this article. Um, WHL uh, star. I I kind of wonder how well this is going to... Seattle also needs pre- pretty much everything, so okay. Here's my here's my issue, and yes, I know the the name of the article already pre-qualifies that I don't have to make this statement, but I don't think Seattle's picking at number two unless they're in the lottery and that's the slot they win. I don't think Seattle's picking at number two. They're, I don't think they're as terrible as some of the other terrible teams. I know that sounds terrible to say, but uh, not terribly uh, hard to understand, though. <laughs> I don't think I mean, Zach Benson sounds like a good pick from the description. I haven't seen enough of him to make a decision on him yet. But from what I've read and from what they say here, being multidimensional, elite playmaker, I don't know if I'd give him elite. What little I have seen of him, I'm not ready to call him elite. 
excellent, very good, you know, somewhere in that range. I don't know. If I mean, his give him elite yet. Is Winnipeg ice head coach referred to him as one of the smartest young players I've ever seen, uh, praising his skill at both ends of the ice? If that's true, sure, certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, you could add him to your young to your core fairly quickly. Um, and, you know, assuming he, assuming he jumps straight to the NHL, which may or may not be a valid idea, um, you know, you're putting him opposite Jordan Eberle. Um, you're probably doing uh, you're probably doing something right. Uh, I mean, you could even put him across from uh, Jaden Schwartz depending on which side he plays, but <laughs> I would go for a center. I mean, for me, I'm going for a center. <clears throat> Looking at the Seattle roster, Jerry, uh, Jan Gordy is your highest paid center. Yanni Gordy. Like Jan Gordy. Yanni Alex Wenberg. He came from Tampa Bay. Yeah. Alex Wenberg, next highest paid center. I like Wenberg, but he doesn't score goals. He's primarily a distributor. Morgan Geeky? I like Morgan Geeky. You know that. And then you've got... His brother might actually be a better player, though. And then you've got Shane Wright and uh, Maddie Bernier's... Bernier's... Um... I think they're both highly likely to be hits. Well, Matty Benyus is pretty much a hit. He's already, he's already the. I think they're highly likely to be hits. But I want to see. I would probably still add a third center to the mix. Um. That said, if you can have. That said, then the the, the this Zach. He's got a nice future playing with one of those two centers. Dak Benson's a, primarily a winger, so yeah, thinking that if you put him alongside Beniers, you get yourself a nice young top line that can put the puck in the net. You still have to focus on who's playing in front of your goaltenders. Uh, hopefully you can focus on getting yourself a decent young defenseman with, uh, I don't even know how many picks they have. And then number three, Philly. I genuinely do not think the Philadelphia Flyers are the third worst team in the NHL. I kind of, okay. I kind of agree with the fact that not having Ryan Ellis, not having <clears throat> Sean Couturier. Sean Couturier. I was going to call him Logan Couture, and I knew that wasn't right. Not having Ellis, not having Couturier, I think that does hurt the team. I don't know if it hurts them so much that they're going to end up with this high draft pick that Lyle Richardson's referring to. Uh, if they do pick this high, Fantilli got the size. I mean, compared to a kid like Zach Hansen above him, who's 5'10", 160, this kid's listed at 6'2", 187. Uh, got the size, got the physicality. Hopefully you can foster that and bring it into the end. 
I think it's a good pick here. I just don't know that Philly's going to be making this pick. No, I I genuinely can't picture Philly being worse than 10th, most likely. I'm thinking that, like, first of all, my first thought when I saw this was John Tortorella is never going to allow this to happen. (laughs) No, like John Tortorella (laughs) would get himself signed to a contract and playing before he would allow the team to get that far. That was my first thought was John's never going to allow this to happen. No, I, I, I cannot see it, but we'll roll with it. I like the pick here. Uh, yeah, no, no, I got no problem with the pick. I just like, like you said, I don't think it's going to be Philly's pick to make. Matiev Mykov, Chicago Blackhawks at number four. And this is about the range I expect them to draft. Um, they're, <clears throat> they potentially have two picks in the first round. Mm-hmm. This one, another smaller guy, 5'9", 159. Um, director of, uh, NHL director of European scouting said that Mykov is the number one prospect from Europe in the 2023 draft. Uh, praised his acceleration, hockey sense, and passing abilities. Uh, number one drafting, number one pick in Europe. Um, I'm still curious to see what's going to happen with um, on the political front with the. I think I think that I think right now, depending on how long this drags out. Uh, the and unfortunately, I think the political is going to bleed into the NHL here, and I think it could affect Russian draft picks. I mean, there's there's been that Russian discount for a number of years where Russian players get taken five, seven, ten spots lower than they probably would have if they were from the Czech Republic or Finland or even the U.S. Um, but yeah, the political situation, if there's enough sanctions or enough mobilization, some of these guys who are expecting to be drafted might well be drafted uh, to a different uniform than you'll see on the NHL ice. I mean, it, it, it does refer to <clears throat> it does refer to Matvey Michkov's KHL contract could keep him out of the NHL for several years. That all know. by itself is probably going to drop him out of the top ten. I mean, it, it, it's interesting, yes, and it's funny because it mentions right wing prospect depth. Hmm. Somebody else has issues with right wings. Oh, nobody has uh, issues with right wing. Oh, okay. Uh, then we get to drafting and wait patiently. I don't know. I don't know how patient you can be if you're Chicago. You're a top, you're a, an original six team. <laughs> Chicago Chicago I think has enough and you're a big hockey market <laughs> Chicago I think has enough picks and enough of an active fan base to get through a couple of bad years like really bad years okay um, I'm not saying that they can string out a decade of finishing in the bottom five but you know if they finish in the lottery three years uh, as long as the fan base has some hope that those three players are going to turn out 
pretty well and they win a couple of exciting games at home, they're probably going to do okay. Are they going to rock the building every night and have a full full, t- uh, full uh, tilt crowd of purely Chicago fans? Maybe not. You might get a lot of visitor uh, you might get a lot of visitor jerseys in the stands, but I'm sure that the Words family understands that all that money spends the same. It does. Matthew Wood, number five to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he's playing for the Victoria uh, Victoria Grizzlies of the British Columbia Hockey League. Uh, that's the BCHL. Junior A, for those of you who really don't get into the nitty-gritty. Um, actually going to be able to keep up with this kid, though, because he's going to UConn. Seven, he's still 17. 6'3", 190 pounds. Um, what? Who wants size? Come on now. Nobody. And who wants, who wants skill? I mean, skill. 45 goals, 85 points in 46 games last year. So this young man is going to fall to number five. I mean, my guess is Montreal might be picking higher than five at this point, the way they're going. But Um, I don't I don't see this kid making it out of the top ten unless he seriously stumbles during the year. Um, Well, it's going to be one thing you do have to take into account is. Yes, he played for the Victoria Grizzlies, BC Hockey, you know, British Columbia Hockey League. Uh, he's going, he, first of all, he's coming to America. Yep. And he's going, so we're talking slight change of culture. He's going into university. Uh, he's going to a school where there is some history of hockey. I mean, you've got guys like... I was going to say Quick, but Quick actually played at UMass Lowell. He's from Connecticut. Anyway, UConn is here in Hockey East. They're not one of the bigger names. I mean, it's not a BCBU, but but you're playing in Hockey East. You're playing in the right market to get noticed. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the but there's a lot of changes going on, so there could be a potential slip in his first season as a you know as a freshman. But the size uh, and and the skill from what I've seen are, are worth watching. Four players drafted to the uh, drafted by the NHL out of UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is one of my one of my uh, one of the guys I'm most intrigued by over the last three or four years. And that would be Tage Thompson. Oh, um, yes, that's right. Jan Kuznetsov uh, was all, was out of the 2020 draft, uh, defenseman by mm-hmm. Calgary. And then John, uh, I'm sorry, Joe Masoni's, uh 2016 draft by Pittsburgh. Um, but way back in 1988, Todd uh, Krieger. Todd Krieger, yeah. Um, was uh, any 19... 1988 supplemental draft by Hartford. Uh, he played 542 games, opted in 243 points, including 100 goals even. We have a Whalers reference. Nice. 
That's the first time in a long time we've mentioned the Hartford Whalers specifically and not the Wayward Whale. Not Carolina. <laughs> not Carolina, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Matthew Wood, if he wants to go to uh, UConn and almost certainly be the best player on the team, rock on. Number six. I don't see this team drafting here. Don't see the Buffalo Sabres drafting at six. I think they'll be. Again, I think they're drafting eight to twelve. I think we're seeing a. I think we're seeing a theme here, and the theme is not where the kids are being picked, but the theme is which teams will be picking at those slots. And I think that yeah, for the most part, we've had some incorrect. Yeah, I don't think Buffalo is going to be picking this high either. I think they're going to be. Somewhere closer to 10, but like you said, uh, 8 to 12, uh, I'm thinking 10 to 13, but okay. Um, Cameron Allen, young defenseman, um, they think that they were going, that they'll add him uh, to fill out that back end. They've already got, you know, Owen Power. Yep. You've got Rasmus Dahlin, who, looking yeah. back, is he is he worthy of number one overall pick status? We'll know in another two years. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But they're building a defense. They're building a team still. They're flat out still building a team. Yes, but Kyle Dubas doesn't know what defense is, so Toronto might want to, you know, he could get his notebook out and. Start scratching a few notes. I mean, the 2018 draft. Um, only two players have played more games than Darlene. And that's uh, Kachuk and Svechnikov. So let me get this straight. This young man has was OHL Rookie of the Year. Um. 37 points in 65 games. Captain Canada to a gold medal at the Lenka. And Are you talking about Allen? Cameron Allen. And he's going to fall yeah. to sixth? You're he, thinking he's going to go higher? He might, depending on what he does this season. I mean, we've got a full season between now and the draft, but depending on what he does this season... Yeah, he could be top three. I mean, if you swap him out with Mati, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Matiev, Mati- Matt Vaymichkov, Matt Vaymichkov, that kid. Yeah, I think I'm happier with this draft order. Um, just, just from what, and and again, I I remember seeing him at the Linka. They they show it on NHL Network sometimes. Uh, they show hockey. Well, it's on not NHL. an NHL game, so of course they show it on the NHL Network. But I didn't see him. I didn't see him playing for Guelph. But it. it, it I just a, a defenseman who rookie of the year, thirty-seven. I mean, half point per game player. So he's not completely solid two-way defenseman. Yeah, two-way yeah. defenseman, captain captain of the gold medal team. 
unless he really falls on his face, how how do you assume that a defenseman with this kind of skill is going to fall all the way to six? That people are going to take the five forwards are going to go ahead of him. I, I don't know. I think that just knowing the teams, I think that yeah. But if Chicago Montreal is, is drafting and he's on the board, they're probably going to pick him. Think that defense takes Chicago, sure. They they would like to add Seattle would definitely need him. I mean, Arizona, I'm not I'm not I've not drawn a bead on what the their general manager thinks. Yeah, I, I haven't figured that one out yet. As an agent, I a former agent, I expect him to go for a guy who can address the biggest need on the team. Mm-hmm. Um and right now aside from goaltending, which is still going to be a question for a while because we don't know what's happening with Carey Price, um, the defense in Montreal, yeah, they could definitely use a two-way player who can skate well, who's got that maturity, and you've already got several young, se- several young forwards uh, on, that, on that Montreal team who you know you're going to be building around. You're not letting Nick Suzuki go without a fight. You're not letting Cole Caulfield go without a fight. Get them a blue liner and uh, stay out of the way and let them do their jobs. Yes. Yeah, I just I think that I think that this caliber of defenseman. Uh, so then they have the Devils drafting at what was it seven? Yes, because what the Devils need is yet yet another center. Um, The Devils are starting to turn into the Bruins. Let's draft another center. I don't think so. First of all, do you expect the Devils to be drafting at seven? Uh, Delibor Dvorsky, um, interesting interesting uh, interesting spot for the Devils because the Devils are in – what is probably going to be the toughest division. Um, I don't necessarily think they're the seventh worst team in the league, but they might end up with the seventh worst record simply based on okay, uh, the opposition that they're going to face with the bulk of their... I just don't think that... I don't think they need to draft more center. You, you, you need to do something about your core defense and I, I don't think that because you have Dougie Hamilton that all is well. You uh, to, so I, uh, I think that could work. You need to be, I don't, I don't think that picking, I honestly don't think that picking yet another center is, is what works here. I For really the don't. devils. No. They have they have some really good young forwards, and I think that um, I think they need to fix the back end or find a winger. You brought in you brought in Vanacek to either push or uh, in I some way. Think that, I think that where the Devils are today, I don't think that just taking the best player is the best option. If you don't like the next four or five players in line, 
where you don't necessarily want someone um, until the next round, trade out. That's an, I mean, that is another option here. You could trade, they could trade the pick. I mean, not that they need to acquire more, but don't have multiple picks in any round for the next three years. But, yeah, you've got John Marino. Okay, Damon Severson, if you're going to give him more money, he's going to cost you more money. Ryan Graves, he's all right. I like Siegenthaler. Their defensive core is not the worst, but I think that it could use some beefing up. If that makes sense. Oh, I don't know, yeah. that, I don't know that picking yet another forward is going to be the answer here, but they do I have with a you, lot I, of... I would... I would I would uh, I would move the pick and step back a couple of uh, trade down a little bit or trade the pick straight up for someone, you know, four years into their career who you think can help uh, or someone who you think you're going to get five or six years out of. Yeah. Um, there's no need to take something you don't need. They have San Jose in eighth, and, you know, if the playoffs started today or the draft happened today, nope, this would be wildly optimistic. <laughs> that, that, that they would be picking eighth? Wildly yeah. optimistic, they'd be picking higher, I suppose. Um, I, I mean, they start off by talking about Thomas Hurdle and Logan Couture, which, eh, yeah, they're not particularly young anymore. Thomas Hurdle's only 28. I, again. I thought he was older, actually. But. They're not. Logan Couture is is moving towards hockey old. But Thomas Hurdle, uh, uh, Hurdle especially given how many games he's actually played, he's hockey middle age. Do we need to set this team in the in the target sites for nuclear detonation? I would have blown them up a couple of times in the past. That's what I'm thinking. Um, this team might this team might be in the crosshairs. A couple of years ago, we said it about Buffalo. And they essentially did. They just did it really painfully slowly. Yes. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Hurdle Couture, uh, Meyer... Luke Cunning, maybe. And then it's everyone else. You can, I mean, you can get at least a first round pick for each of those first three players I named. Get another rookie of the year. Their defense is um, rickety at this point. Well, Eric Carlson, yeah. 32. Their Mark defense Edwards. average age is 29.6 today. Mm-hmm. So they're going to average 30 by the end of the year easily. Um, Carlson is 32. Mark yep. Edward Vlasic, 35. You've got the baby of the team in Mar- uh, Mario Fer- uh, Ferraro. A 30-year-old, a 28-year-old, a 29-year-old, a 29-year-old. Matthew Gow's Matthew Benning. And he was a Bruin, sort of. Yeah, no, there's just no. This this roster is uh, due for an earth shattering, earth shattering kaboom. Crosshairs. 
because uh, I don't know that they can make the playoffs this year. If they don't make it this year, there's no way they're going to make it next year. Could they spend um, any more money? They need to trade. How much? Do well, they, they can't. Mike Greer, who, who admittedly just started just around the draft time, I suspect that between the start of February mm-hmm. and this year's and the 2023 start of free agency, first week of free agency, there's going to be a lot of turnover on this roster. A lot of turnover. Because I can't conceive of any possibility of making a playoff team with this base and only two and a two hundred and twenty nine thousand in cap space. It just that dog won't hunt. Well, you're way overpaying Eric Carlson. Mark Edward Vlas- Mark Edward Vlasic is making many millions. For the next, I don't know, oh, four years. Yep. Berlin Couture, nine and nine point nine, so ten percent, so twenty percent of your salary isn't tied up in Hurdle and Couture. I, I, and you've only got six contracts ending at the end of the season on on in your forwards, and four of them are RFAs. Two of them arbitration eligible. So Nick Bonino, you don't offer him a contract. Matt Nieto, you don't offer him a contract, but you're only paying him eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. I feel bad He's for irrelevant. I feel bad for Mr. Greer. I I think and you have to look at all the stuff that he's been saddled with too, because you've got buyouts, you've got that's what I'm saying, and all the Brent Burns. I mean, Brent Burns, he traded, sure, but um, that wasn't his contract. He didn't, he's, his name isn't the GM on it. But yeah, I would go for the earth shattering kaboom. Question is, do they have, do they have draft count? I mean, they have one first round, one second round pick for the next three years. No, if you're trading, you as I said, you could if you trade out the top three forwards, mm-hmm. you can get at least a first round pick for each of them. So it says here that they're going to pick this kid, Braden Yeager. Braden Yeager, from what I saw of him, a good player, um, could stand to eat a sandwich. I mean, he's six foot, but only listed at one sixty five. Uh, he's also a rookie of the year in the CHL this time. Uh, also played in the Hlinka and came up with nine points in five games. Scored a goal per game or, or averaged a goal per game. It, hard shot, quick release. What video I've seen of him and what I've seen of him playing. Yeah, I can agree with that. I'm more concerned with his, I don't know, I, I wasn't impressed with his hands. I mean, the fact that he got five goals, nine points in, in the Lincoln tournament, his hands don't impress me, don't overly impress me. 
for me, if I'm drafting at eight, I like Leo Carlson better. I mean, part of it is the size, but part of it is the fact that he's played against grownups in this in the Swedish Hockey League, mm-hmm. and that's arguably arguably the second best league in the in the in the world. I can see that. I mean, six three hundred ninety four pounds, and and yet he's if picked by the team that they list here at nine. If he's picked by Anaheim, he's joining a, a team of very, uh, of young, very talented players. Oh, that would be, I mean, for him, <laughs> Anaheim. Okay, for him, Anaheim would be perfect if he wants to win a lot of games right away. If he wants to go in and be the bright young star of the future, the single bright young star of the future, San Jose would be a better pick right now, be, would be a better landing spot right now. It depends on whether he's hungry for actual achievement or simply recognition. Well, would you rather be part of something building? Oh, me. I'd rather go to Anaheim. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, And yes, at number nine, um, they have the Ducks finishing ninth. (sighs) Not sure I agree with that either, but okay. Leo Carlson um, is that uh, versatile forward, Swedish Hockey League, top Swedish prospect in the 2023 draft, according to Scott Wheeler. Um, I I really like that pick. But again, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers, Max Comtois. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean... There's a there's a number of young guys that are oh, extremely talented on this team. Yes, adding and, one more not gonna hurt. And you've got some, and you've got uh, enough experience on the team with a Henrique. Yeah, uh, you know, Petrano's been around a while. I mean, he's 28 years old now. It, and then you look at their defense. Uh, Anaheim, it, clearly, if Leo were given the choice, I, I imagine he would say Anaheim. <laughs> um, I would. <laughs> next on the list is probably the next team that actually needs that earth-shattering kaboom. Really? I don't think that this team is composed in a way that will let it win. I think this is an assemblage of talent without being a great team. Okay, I can see that description. It, look, like there's this. there's not many bigger fans of Blake Wheeler than me. Kyle Connor is based on talent. Yeah, he's that he's that dude. Mark Shifley. Uh he's not terrible. Uh, I'm not sure I'm his biggest fan. Uh PLD Nicholas Ehlers, those two guys, I think they're really, really good cogs. I don't know that they're superstars. Mm-hmm. Like, I, w- I would put them into the same category as Jake DeBrusque. When they're playing well and their heads are on, you want them on your team. But if you're making a Stanley Cup run, 
you don't have them penciled in as one of your top five contributors. Okay. Like rewind to the twenty twenty or the twenty ten twenty eleven Bruins Cup win. Okay, rewinding. End of March, season is one is over. You can look at that roster and say, I know that Tim Thomas is gonna uh, is gonna achieve high. I know that Patrice Bergeron is gonna achieve high. I know that David Krejci is going to achieve high. I know that Zdeno Chara is going to achieve high. And I can bet that, you know, either Milan Lucic or uh, Nathan Horton is going to achieve as that next, as that number five guy uh, in your top five. If I look at this team, I can't see that. I, I, I looked at it from the other angle. I looked at it from the fact that, okay, number 10, Winnipeg Jets. And the very first sentence of this description for who they're going to pick. Defense has been a sore spot for the Winnipeg Jets in recent years. Well, actually, it started when they traded Jacob Trouba. Well, it started when Dustin Bufflin got hurt, but yeah. Okay, yeah, if you want to push it back, yes. It started when Bufflin got hurt and Trouba then... And yeah, the defense. And if I'm when I went back and looked at their defense, I like Josh Morrissey. Nate Schmidt yep. at 31, hockey old maybe. I mean he he's got he's got playoff experience. He was he's played he's with hockey Vegas. age. Uh, yeah, okay. Neil Pionk, good young. Uh, I like Neil Pionk. I like their defense. I'm not wild about it, but to tell me that a young Mikhail Guliaev Hopefully I said that correctly. He's 5'10", 170, slick puck-moving defenseman. Okay, so he... Uh, same size as, as uh, Tory Krug, maybe? I mean... Yeah. Is um, he the right... It, I mean, if your defense has been a sore spot, you know, penalty-killing percentage ranked 29th, is bringing in a slick puck-moving defenseman going to help with your penalty kill no um here's here's the statement that will make many people in the boston area mad Mm -hmm. i feel the same way about their defense as i do about boston's i don't have any problem with individual players my problem is is the team is the unit as a whole Okay. There's nothing outstanding in terms of creating offense, shutdown defense, um, and no, I'm not expecting that every team will have a Ray Bork or a Zdeno Chara or both on them, uh, or a Chris Pronger or a Duncan Keith, whatever. Um, but there has to be a dude that someone that like other players aspire to be other players are inspired by on a nightly basis at key positions and defense is kind of important in order to make that happen. You know, if you look at the Chicago Blackhawks run, they had Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane and Brent Seabrook (laughs) and 
for the first one they had oh god they had uh hosa as part of the team right yep marion um so you had those guys who everyone looked up to and said i not only want to be that guy i don't want to disappoint that guy so the Bruins and, and and the Bruins have the ultimate. I don't want to disappoint that guy. Obviously, yes. But who, but who do the Winnipeg Jets have that you can say that about? As I said, Wheeler? I'm as big a fan of Blake, Blake Wheeler as anyone. Yeah, but he hasn't done it. He's never been the best at his position at anything in the league. I I love him. I would add him to my team. In a heartbeat, even at 36 years old, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I think Kyle Connor, supremely talented dude. But I feel that this is a team without a superstar. And possibly, uh, and this is a term that I've used about Bergeron since, probably since that first big concussion. He's the, I'm, Patrice Bergeron is the emotional epicenter of the Boston Bruins. Yes. If he feels something, it's going to radiate out and pull the team in that direction. If he's mad because people aren't playing well, (laughs) other people are going to get mad. If he's happy, other people are going to get happy. I don't know who that is on this team. Agreed. And I think that that's a, a wildly overlooked piece of team does, building psychology. But how does Mikhail Gulyayev change no rookie, that? Literally no rookie should come in and do that. And I don't exactly. care if the rookie's name is Bobby Orr or Kale McCarr or Wayne Gretzky um, or any of the guys who are named in this in this article. Yeah, I don't see that that. Earth shattering. If you're a 22, 27, 36 year old NHL player with a couple of hundred games under your belt and you're looking to a rookie who's never been there, never done that to be your savior, uh, turn your contract in and go apply at the grocery store. I mean, just stop. So, Mr. Gulyayev, I, I just I, I just find it interesting and the way Mr. Richardson wrote this article, you know, wrote this particular section, you know, defense being a sore spot. Yeah, it is. They've had some issues. They've traded away decent talent. They did get Pionk from the Rangers in the deal, but got them rid of the Truba. And I understand that they were moving him because he ended up signing that eight-year, $8 million per contract at the time. It, but you put you put yourself in this boat, and then you've got a decent cast of defensemen now. Adding Gulyayev, who is a a, a, a as it's described, slick puck moving defender. You know, he he's a he's a Tory Krug type. He's going to quarter. He can quarterback your power play, but I don't think he's going to help your 29th ranked kill, penalty kill. And nope. If that's what you're trying to fix, this isn't the right one. I'm not questioning Gulyayev's talent. I'm questioning whether he's the right pick for this team at this spot. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Yay. I mean, it's interesting because you come to number 11 in the Blue Jackets. Yeah. Is this a boat where they're going to pick? 
I think it's about where they're going to pick. Um, this might, and I think this is going to come down to how badly the injury bug uh, hits their locker room this year. Okay. Because they are a little top heavy. And. But among there, but I kind of agree with Lyle on this one because they do have a good mix of, of forwards and defensemen in their pro. They're not overly stacked prospects wise in, in one way or another. They've got Daniil Tarasov in that. So this actually does, this pick does actually open up to them that they could pretty much go in any direction and they're not going to hurt themselves. Yeah. I mean, the blue jackets, I, I, I don't have a problem with them or whoever lands or probably almost any team landing in the spot, taking Edward uh, Sully. He needs a sandwich. Um, at six feet, 168 pounds, and 17 years old, he needs two I'm sandwiches. willing to bet he gains at least five pounds between now and the draft. He needs two sandwiches. Two Maybe sandwiches a, a day. Maybe a full meal. 6'1", 168. Holy cow. Uh, New York Islanders, number 12. Mm, are they that no. good? I don't think they are. I think that Buffalo is a better team than they are. I think the Senators are arguably a better team than they are. And that's just two of the teams who are drafting higher. Uh, Andrew Cristal the, is the player uh, the article has going in this spot. Um, they cite him because of the top five Islanders prospects, none of them are left wings, uh, which brings us to Cristal of the... Uh, Kelowna, Kelowna Rockets of the WHL. Um, solid, I mean, solid numbers. Um, 28 goals and 69 points in 61 regular season games last season. Third among the Rockets' leading scorers. Six, point, six points in five games for uh, Canada at the 2022 Holinka Gretzky Cup. Um, mm-hmm. 5'10", 165 pounds. That's that's a reasonably solid frame for a 17 year old. Um, well, if he's going to add an inch, I mean, 17 years old, is he completely done growing? Could he add an inch or two? Uh, but yeah, oh. 165, 170. I think what sells me on this young man is the last paragraph, is the last paragraph as you started reading it. Yep. You know, 5'10, 165, not very big. Doesn't play a physical game, but plays a responsible defensive game with the puck. Two-way players are nice to have. Although, I don't know, can you have too many? Is it possible to have too many many two-way players? Do you need one or two of those guys who are just hungry for goals, puck hounds all the time? I mean, do the Bruins work because they have a Patrice Bergeron and they have a David Pasternak? And I'm not saying the Pasternak's two-way game hasn't improved over time. It certainly has. But when they first got him, it was clear he was a goal-scoring puck hound. Yes. He has um, worked on and improved his two-way game since coming to the Bruins. Oh, absolutely. And I think that I think that the people who criticize him today are mostly seeing are mostly 
blinded by how good Bergeron and Marchand and even Krejci are two-way, and you could add Coyle to that mix as yeah. far as two-way players on the Bruins. Um, and so I guess the answer is that, no, you can't have too many two-way, good two-way players on the team. I would even put Taylor Hall in that mix as, as far as a really solid two-way player. I think at worst, David Pasternak is slightly above league average uh, defensively. And I think at worst, uh, Taylor Hall is in the top 25% defensively for forwards. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so drafting this kid at 12, who, who it, from what I've read, is a creative, slippery playmaker, smart with the puck. But I think the defense, I think his defensive game is what's going to get him more recognition. I mean, his size is not going to be a standout, obviously. Even if he does that on an inch or two, maybe add on 10, 15 pounds, he's not going to be that 6'4", 220, you know, he's not, he's not a fighter. It does you know, he doesn't play a physical game, but his two-way game is going to get him the, not- the notice that he may or may not deserve. So, I like the pick if the Islanders are making it here. I think, again, they're going to be picking higher, and I don't think that this young man is going to be the one to fall to them. I think they're going to be picking higher, and they're probably going to be looking at a Beachkov or a, or a Jaeger. You know. um, I don't – I think – I wouldn't be surprised if the Senators landed at 13th pick. I don't know if this is the best player for them. I think that Casper Haltutin, Haltunen. I'm going to guess Haltunen. Okay. <laughs> um, looks like a great player. I mean, six three two zero seven. Right wing. Right wing. <laughs> and seventeen years old. And yeah, the thought of adding him to Brady and DeBrinket and. Uh, Norris and Stutzel. Really, really intriguing. But I would definitely prefer adding a defenseman to that team. I was going to say, the you know, already scary young core of I mean, forwards. And let's add another one. If, if okay. If We've there's already- no defenseman that I like better, expected to go in the next five or six picks, I will cheerfully skip and jump to the uh to the uh to the podium to take him uh if this is if I believe in him as well as much as Richardson does at this spot but I I definitely think adding a defenseman who could play in his first two years after draft I mean is a better option for the senators you've got Shabbat you've got Sanderson and then, and, and then the rest of them. Okay, Hamonic, Zaitsev. I mean, Hamonic isn't terrible. Hamonic, Hamonic, however you want to pronounce this year. Um, Zaitsev, eh. Nick Holden eh. has playoff experience. I mean, he has playoff experience. He has deep run experience. He played with Vegas. He played with Boston. He played with the Rangers. He's got experience. But, eh. 
I just, yeah, I think that this team is screaming for a third defenseman because Shabbat and Sanderson are by themselves. Brandstrom is okay, I think. I mean, he's still young. I haven't seen a whole lot of him. Uh, They're expecting a lot from him. I mean, they're expecting a lot from Sanderson, too. But, uh, I mean, as much as... As much as I like the young forwards on this team, I'm still firmly convinced that uh, Shabbat is the best player on the on the roster. And I don't think that I, I, as much as yeah, okay, I, they, stop trying to turn into Toronto. If you follow their example, oh, they're not that they're not that bad defensively. <laughs> no, I understand that, but adding another uh, offensive player just for the sake of adding another offensive player when you've got Kachuk, Norris, Debrinket, Batherson. But that said, <laughs> adding Excellent. a adding a well a good skating big body like that to either Kachuk, it mm-hmm. it has more than a little appeal. <laughs> okay. It has. I mean, imagine your Tim, St- uh, your Josh Norris, or uh, Tim Stutzla, and you're sold. Okay, you're going on the ice. Your line mates are Kachuk and Stutzla. Have fun. Willingness to play. I, I love this line. Already possessing impressive size with a heavy shot and a willingness to play a physical game. Altonen's style of play would provide additional offense and snarl to the Senators' lineup. Because Brady Kachuk doesn't snarl enough. As I said. But to have I'm, another snarler... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with them. I and I think this actually might be one of the picks that ends up happening. And the last sentence actually agrees with you. He could be a good complement to the agitating Kachuk on the same line. Otto Stenberg is penciled in at fourteen with the Vancouver Canucks. Otto Stenberg is a left wing or center slash left wing. Reasonable size, 5'11", 181. Um, okay, I, think I don't know. Sultanen. I mean, if they're going to play him at left wing, do sure. To go, do they need to go forward again, though? I mean, if they're going to play him at left wing, sure. But I still firmly, firmly believe that Vancouver is going to shake things up by moving one of their three nameable forwards. Uh, nameable centers. I think that one of Miller, Horvat, or Pedersen will not will not be there uh, two days after free agency. They Start. Just sign, they just signed Miller to a, a, an extension through. Uh, yeah, what's that phrase you like to use? The heat death of the universe. Twenty nine, two thousand twenty nine, thirty season. That's fine. Eight million per. I don't think they're trading JT Miller. If they do, uh, if they want to move Horvat, okay. So there's yeah. plenty of teams that will take him. Horvat could be a deadline deal, depending on how they're looking when they get there. I mean, at five and a half million, he'd be an expensive rental. Well, half of that anyway. Um, I don't expect them moving Pedersen, although. RFA with, I mean, still an RFA with arbitration. Are they going to move Besser? 
they were. I mean, they've rumored to move best. They've been rumors about all of their all of their young stars because they, as a team, okay, they haven't been a team. They've been an assemblage of talent. Yes, and they have some really good talent. But yeah, I I mean, you need to assemble that talent and make it. You can put all the right ingredients and not get the cake to rise, and I think that's really what what's happened there. Yeah. And at 15, we're at the old halfway spot in the draft. Uh, Detroit Red Wings here as, with Callum Ritchie. This puts them as a bubble team and arguably even in the playoffs, depending on how, the, how weird the point totals get uh, in the middle of the uh, league this year. Is this where you see, do you genuinely see the Detroit Red Wings up this high? Picking this high or this low? I mean, are you asking me if they're potential playoff team? Yeah. Unfortunately, in the East, I think it's a difficult challenge. I, I believe more than one show ago, probably a couple of shows ago, I think I actually said my dark horse pick was that Detroit makes the playoffs. I said it somewhat tongue in cheek. I don't, it wasn't firmly planted there. I think part of me wants to believe that they are on an upward trajectory. So I think that this is a good spot for them. I would agree that they're on an upward trajectory and I would have to say that that's a very dark horse. <laughs> in, in the, in the East, unfortunately, yeah. If they were in the West, this team is a, um, because there's a minimum of 10 teams better than them and that's that's a tough hill to climb they 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 brought in they they made some changes they brought in Ville Huso who was the better of the two goaltenders in in St. Louis in in my opinion I'm not going to speak for anybody else but in my opinion I think that he was the better of the two I'm not a, still not sold on Bennington Stanley Cup or no but Eiserman, and it says here, Eiserman has provided the Red Wings with an enviable pool of prospects. He's made a lot of deals, brought in a lot of picks, made a lot of picks. You've got guys like Lucas Raymond, who I talk about, Moritz Sider, Simon Edmondson when he comes up. I mean, the talent that he's bringing in is going to start paying off. If not this year, yes, next year. He's doing it again like he did in Tampa Bay. Nobody wants to give him credit for what Tampa Bay is doing now, but Steve Eiserman set the foundation of that, what they're doing now, back when he was GM and the draft picks and the, the deals that he made. So I think that what he's doing now, I think that he needs to, he got Sebastian Costa who I had to send down because he's got the two goaltenders he's got now. I don't necessarily know that he has to, I I mean, bringing up another two way center, I guess to replace, um, to replace Dylan at some point. I mean, this kid's got size six, 287 pounds. Apparently uh, Lyle Richardson says that they're going to take this kid, Callum Ritchie and, can't argue with the size. Can't argue with the talent. What, you know, I've seen, what I've seen of him, I like watching. He might not be available at this spot. That's my biggest concern is that I, I hope that Eiserman and, and 
and, and I'm pretty sure he does, has backup picks because I don't know that this youngster falls to 15. Well, if you look at the other rankings for him, and I'm looking over at Elite Prospects right now, mm-hmm. um, eighth on Consolidated Rankings, 10 on the Hockey News, six by TSN Bob McKenzie, 10 by uh, TSN Craig Button, and eight by Dauber Prospects. Um, that's that's going to take a lot of sliding. Uh, that, that That's my biggest concern is not that this is the right pick at the, is it, is he going to be available? And I mean, when you look at the accolades, one time CHL or OHL rookie of the year, um, most points at a Holinka at Holinka Gretzky, and then a gold medal at Holinka Gretzky. Mm-hmm. If he's available at this spot, like there should be multiple owners firing their GMs. <laughs> Like, does he have to go in the top five? No. But if he's legitimately available at 15, yeah, you, you that's you need to eat your he is GM a, uh, into their next career stop. He is an Iserman. He is an Iserman pick, too. I mean, this is somebody that Iserman would grab. I mean, most GMs should be grabbing him anyway, but. The mix of size and talent. And I think that realistically, if he's not taken here and I, if Detroit finishes at 15 and he's there, um, fine. But if he actually is at, if he's actually available at 15, assuming the same general manager is in place at this point, I can 100% see Nashville trading up to grab him. Yes. Nashville is another place that would take a player of his would take him and legitimately hop and skip all the way to the uh, all the way to the podium, clicking their heels a couple of times as they went, looking like uh, the leprechaun in the Lucky Charms commercials. Shouldn't say that about Peter Chiarelli. Um, Well, let's go back. Let's replay the video of him. Skipping to the podium. Actually, I think it was running to the podium. I don't know that he looked as happy when he got on the ice when they cut when the Bruins had the cup. Like I legitimately I don't, don't know moved. for sure that he looked that happy. I don't think I've seen him move faster than when he was picking Dougie Hamilton at nine. Um, but Caleb Ritchie again. Just six to one eighty-seven. Um, we talked about the accolades. He's going to go. He's going to go pretty high. Uh, he's going to have to work at not getting I do wonder into the top. He, I do wonder if he falls to 15. That's my biggest question. Okay. Here. I will predict right now that barring a major injury, Callum he is Ritchie not is falling not, to 15. Callum Ritchie is not going at 15. Okay. Um, and I will also say... If the Bruins somehow end up with a top 20 draft pick, that the guy at 16 is probably going to be who they take. Why? He's a native of Lexington, Mass. who's attending Boston College in the uh, 23-2024 season. 
Um, this is, of course, Will Smith of the USN National Development Team. Will Smith. Six. Will Smith. He'd even be playing for the Men in Black. <laughs> and gold. <laughs> it had to be said. I'm sorry. I had to lob that softball in there. I'm sorry. I, I think oh. the fact that he plays here locally makes it a lot easier. The only thing that concerns me is if you look at who they're saying, if you look at who Lyle Richardson is saying at, is picking at 16. Vegas? I think that might be. Again, based on their current roster, I don't know if this is what they need. But based on their current roster, based on their head coach who's, you know, Oh, wait, it's that guy who was coaching here the last few years, so he probably knows something about this kid. Um, not being, I understand he's not a scout, he's a coach, he's got his own worries, but it's still in the periphery. I mean, it, 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 I don't think his ta- this talent would escape a coach, even though the coach isn't necessarily focused on scouting. But they still keep their eyes open, keep their ears to the ground. So is it possible that he could fall to the Golden Knights? I don't think the Golden Knights are picking at 16 is what I'm saying. No, I, I think that they're going to finish. They're going to be. If their goaltending consider, continues at 88, 85% of where they are now, they're going to be in the playoffs because that was everyone's biggest concern. I think that the people talking smack about Eichel just need to. I think Eichel's looked pretty good so far. Uh, they just need to not, and the rest of their top six is going to take care of itself, and their defense is solid. If they stay reasonably healthy, they're in the playoffs. So drafting at 16, not likely. Um, I, I do agree with you, though. This is definitely a Bruins style. I mean, six foot, 172 pounds, so he's not tiny, but he's not. I can literally, if the Bruins had a pick when he's available in the top, in like the middle third of the draft or of their first round, I can see anywhere between, you know, 10 and 22, they're taking him. The Athletics, Scott Wheeler observed he was the most productive 2005 born player at the national program last year. It's in the DNA of all the people in the organization. They're just taken. I can see it. Uh, and then 17, what do you think of 17? Nashville Predators. Uh, they're going to be right around. I think they're going to be right around here. I, I I think if they make the playoffs, it's going to be. They're not going in as like a number one or number two seed. They're going in closer to number six, seven or eight. Yeah. Um. I think that they're probably picking somewhere in this 16 to 20 range. Uh, Charlie Strammel is a 6'3", 216-pound. I like the dis- I, I love the description. Yes, big, mean, and skilled. Um, the next part worries me a little bit more, but if there's a patient franchise in the NHL, it's the Predators. Yes. So he spends two years in the in the AHL after uh, after his draft, um, or if he manages to develop develop it in a year or two, uh, playing college hockey. And he's playing in the Big Ten at Wisconsin, so he's playing for uh, Tony Granado. 
it's not going to be an easy time. Just ask um, Trent Frederick or Cam Hughes. It, it's a team that expects it, it expects uh, your best and will do what they can, and he'll do what he can to get it out of you. Oh yeah, your best your best on in game one is not good enough to be your best in game thirty two. You're expected to be better game over game, month over month. Absolutely. Um, One of the few schools outside of the the M states there in the Midwest and the 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 Northeast here. Wisconsin is one of those schools that yes, hockey players come from. <laughs> um but it but it's not a Michigan, Minnesota or Yeah. I don't see the Dallas Stars finishing here. You see them what making a deep playoff run, or you see them? I think that they're a boom or bust team. Like they're going to finish and draft in the top ten, or they're or yeah, they're going to make the second round. Like there's, I don't see any middle ground for that team. Sorry, not the Stars, the Rangers. It's well, the, the Rangers would be drafting because they have the Stars pick. Right. But okay. So the if the stars finish if the stars go to the Western Conference Finals, which not <laughs> on that one, not dropping a mortgage payment on that one. No, even though Jake Ottinger's in net. Um, no. like Jake a lot. He's like one of Jake my uh, thirty-seven favorite Jakes in the NHL. Um, okay. I like Jake Ottinger a lot. Got to watch him here at Boston University. I mean, he is a talent. Undeniably a talent. But uh, this is another team where you have to question the composition. Well, did I they, don't. Did, did, they thin themselves, did they thin themselves out too much at defense? Yeah. I mean, they, Klingberg's gone. Yeah, they held on to Heiskanen. And Lindell, I don't know that they thin themselves out too far. But Ryan Suter, Colin Miller. Well, I have a bigger problem with Colin Miller than nice. Ryan Suter. I think that Ryan Suter is still a solid, serviceable defenseman, but I don't think he should ever be a number one defenseman. No. Um, I'm more worried about their forwards. I, I wonder what Sagan and Ben are going to produce this year. They're they're 24% of your cap, and they produced less than the next three or four. They they were, what, fourth and fifth in scoring on the team last year? That can't happen. Well, yeah, some guy named Robertson that didn't get signed until, like, the day before the season, and and they got some guy Rope hints, and, you know. And even he got a bridge deal. I mean, it's a solid bridge deal at seven and seven, three seven and seven and three quarters million for three years. That is a bridge or for four years. That is a bridge deal if ever I heard one. And wow, that's some money. Um, because you know that when they were even shown up by the old guy. Oh yeah, and then there's that Joe Pavelski guy who doesn't seem to age. Mm. Not only doesn't seem to age, somehow turned into a better skater at 37 than he was at 27. Maybe he, maybe he's doing the uh, TV 12 stuff now. 
maybe he's feeding off Rope Hints and Jason Robertson. <laughs> you know, whatever they're doing, he's doing it too. <laughs> Could be. I mean, he played all 82 games, 81 points, plus 11. I mean, wow. <laughs> On a not great team. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but Nate Danielson is the youngster that uh, the Bleacher Report has lined up here. 6'185 pounds. Um, just finished a first full season in the Brandon Wheat Kings, 23 goals, 57 points, fourth among uh, in scoring for the team. Um, Dauber prospects, Nick Richard uh, calls him a well-rounded center, good, good mobility, uh, good size. Um, Wheeler, uh, again, singles out two-way abilities, talking about his penalty killing and hardworking style. That any team taking drafting in this position is going to take him. I don't know that it's going to be the Rangers because I don't know where which Dallas Stars players are going to show up this year. Fair enough. I have I I kind of have to agree with that. I mean, it, it, if they rely heavily on on Ben and Sagan, I, it, it could be a difficult season. They need they're going to need. They're going to need Pavelski and the youngsters to repeat what they did last year at the very least, just so they to make it back in. You've got Ottinger, like I said, in net defense, a little bit uh, stripped with no Klingberg and replacing him with Colin Miller. But I, uh, at the next spot, I both agree and disagree with the opening line uh, because it's kind of superfluous. Um, they have the Washington Capitals finishing at, uh, at 19, which probably means in a playoff spot. Based on, um, based on the first sentence, I have another news announcement. <laughs> Water is wet. Damn, but, you stole it. Grass is green. Sky is blue. Uh, they have Colby Barlow going here. Um, Owen Sound attack. Mm-hmm. Swan 187, left wing. Decent size. Yeah. yeah I mean, nothing wrong with the size. Um, although his points were a little tiny bit lopsided at 30 goals and a total of 47 points in his OHL debut. Um, uh, it, might mean, hungry. it might mean he has a little trouble recognizing playmaking uh, or creating plays. Um, but, but as a future power forward, is he going to be? He's gonna. I think that as a future power forward, if he's gonna be playing like the pivot in front of the net, or if he's gonna be, he's gonna need to recognize the open player and getting getting the puck to him. And and yeah, if two thirds of his two thirds of his points are coming from goals, he might not necessarily be that player. Um, I don't. I see this guy sliding in the draft, but I, or at least going lower than this. Fair enough. Um, Daniil Boot goes 20 to the Los Angeles Kings. If the Kings are picking this low, that means that Lyle Richardson is expecting them to be a playoff team. Exactly. And I think that's fascinating. I don't know that he's wrong. I was going to say, I kind of agree with them, too. I'm not saying that they're going to be like winning the West, although at this point, anybody could win the West, uh, the Pacific. 
But yeah, I guess twenty is a good spot for them. I think. I think they'll fit in there. Um, this seems to be the draft of great left wings because they've talked about teams needing left wings, right, left, and center in this in this article. And six five two zero three, that's going to draw a lot of attention all by itself. He played for uh, Loko Yaroslav Yaroslavl last year, seventeen goals and forty two points in forty six games. Um. I just I, to work I on love, his skating a little bit, but I was gonna say I know that you can't teach size, but you can teach skating at twenty. I, I but uh, but if you're drafting him at twenty, you're not necessarily expecting him to be on the ice as a starter next season. Yeah, you're not expecting nineteen and a half minutes a night in his rookie season if you're drafting this late. Um, and if you can spend. Because I think, I mean, we saw from we saw from Lucic, skating is something you can correct in a summer if you give the player, if the, a motivated player has the right skating coach. <laughs> yes. Um, this is very true. Because, I mean, Milan Lucic used to skate like he had cement blocks straight, uh, strapped to his feet and not actual blades. Uh, And then he came in and it was a much more efficient skater. Efficient is a good way to put it. He was, he was, he was fast straight line. He was never going to be Sergei Samsonov who could, you know, stick handle inside a phone booth and, and manage to keep the puck away from everybody with the cutting and sliding and this and that, but straight line speed, Lucic was faster than a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that came from working with the skating coach and becoming more efficient with his strides, becoming getting that first quick jump and getting up to his top speed as quick as he could. And yes. I think that it sounds to me, this young man, this Daniel Boot, sounds like he's got similar issues from what I've read. And if he if he wants it badly enough, that skating can be corrected and it's not an, it be, it stops becoming an issue and if he's skating that well and he played he got 42 points in 46 games as a 17 year old playing in the KHL mm-hmm. if he could actually skate better you're probably adding 20% to that point total if they're saying he needs to work on his skating he's below average skater maybe in the 40th percentile, call it. If he gets to just the 50th or 60th percentile, that improvement alone, yeah, I, I can see that being a good 20% increase in points. Is the MHL like a... Oh, no, no. The MHL is the KHL's development league. So, uh, like, so like AHL here in America? or uh, it's, it's as much a cross between the AHL and Major Junior. Okay. Yeah, because it's... But those are really solid numbers for anyone. Well, unlike, I guess, as opposed to the as opposed to the last player, Colby Barlow, this young man, 17 goals, 42 points, which puts him at what, 25 assists in 46 games. So we're talking somebody who actually 
does see the ice well, finds the open man, possibly a decent setup man. I mean, more assists than goals, not 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 necessarily goal hungry. So, interesting thoughts. I think the one question that I have, and we've gone through 20, and the one question that I have is throughout this 20, throughout these 20 picks, and I don't know if I should ask Lyle Richardson this or, or what, but one defenseman in the top 20? That's somewhat terrifying. One defenseman? And I want I would I will have to look at the article again later to see if this is just Lyle or if this is a aggregate. Um, no, this is an aggregate uh, article. I mean, Lyle Richardson's name is on it. I'm. I don't know. I, I don't. It it sort of reflects how some NHL how some NHL teams view drafting and development, but what, yeah, I'm not I'm not enthused by that. Not given the needs of several of the teams who would be drafting in that top ten fifteen. What scares me even more is that when when perusing this article before putting it out there. Not a whole lot of defense at any of the picks. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm wondering if he was focused on on offense or something. I mean, because but it's one, not just Lyle; it's several players, uh, several people contributing to it. I mean, he wrote the final version, but I, I'm not sure on that one. Anyways, um. We'll wrap that. It as we said, it is. It was the article is dated. I mean, it. it, it I, yes, it's way too early. Like it says, report. It's way too early. You know, September twenty fifth. Bleacher reports way too early. Twenty twenty three NHL mock draft. Um. No, I don't agree. I think that it's a great. I think it's. Good conversation and good insight, but no. Um, it ran two polls uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, first one, after the New York Rangers and the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, who has the strongest defense in the Eastern Conference? Uh, options were Boston Bruins, New York Islanders, Florida Panthers, and someone else. Um, not surprisingly, not very many people answered uh, with who their someone else was, but um, Boston Bruins, 27.3% of the vote. Um, Florida Panthers, 18.2% of the vote. 0.0 for the New York Islanders, which I think is a travesty. Um, <laughs> and someone else got 54.5%. Who is the someone else? No one told me. Oh. I mean, you can make the case that it's Tampa. You can. Can you, though? I mean, I do love Victor Hedden. Don't get me wrong. I hope no one's making it about Montreal or Toronto. I really hope not Toronto. 
And if they're making it about Pittsburgh, I'm just going to lead, need to lay down until they stop breathing. Um, so that's that's that one. Uh, I don't agree with the voters, but okay. This one I thought was way it was even more interesting because this one ran neck and neck uh, through the first sixty percent of the vote, seventy percent of the vote was literally fifty percent. Um, does Patrick Kane stay with the Blackhawks long enough to get to the 288 points he needs to pass Stan Mikita uh, for first in points all time for Chicago? I threw that up on the 12th. Um, what do you think? 288 points. That's what, uh, eight. 80, it's three is 80 times three is 240. That's minimum, like, say, three and a half seasons. I mean, if you really want to be ambitious, say three seasons, most likely four. I don't think so, only because I think he wants to win. I mean, I see him as a as a as a loyal guy, but. I think he wants to win. Three cups is three cups, but just getting one makes you hungry for another. True. He do, I mean, he does have that con smythe. He has the an Art Ross, a Hart, a Lindsay, and a Calder to go with his ironclad Hall of Fame career. Um, so you can make the argument that he doesn't need to go prove anything else to anyone. Unrestricted free agent at 30, in 33, 34 years old, so he signs a two or three year deal. I, I don't, I don't think he does. I mean, unless it's unless it's extremely important to him to hit that milestone. I don't. Um, I could go either way, but I think like you and and like some of the fans that or like the majority of the voters that he's probably going to chase another, uh, another cup. Um, I would love to see him stay and, and wear one sweater for his entire career. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see that. I think that players like him, generational players, Bergeron, Taze and, and, and Kane, it, even as much as I may or may not like it, a Sidney Crosby, a Malkin, a Novechkin. They need to be that. They need to be that franchise touchstone. That yes, that one guy who played all his years in one sweater, one logo, one franchise. Looking at his last four complete seasons, Kane averaged one point two three. Unless my math is way way off, one point two three points per game. I don't know that it's impossible if he actually plays this season and two seasons more in Chicago. Because he had 110 back in the 1819. He had 84 and 70 in 1920, 66 and 56 in the 2021, and then 92 and 78 last season in the 21-22. I, I don't know that it's impossible. It really comes down to whether he wants to stay in Chicago and play, uh, you know, play 
play it out. Or if he's more interested in chasing another ring, another cop, I, I can see it both ways. I mean, in Chicago, his name's going into the Raptors. That's not it, like it's just not not going to happen. He's going to the he's going to the call uh, to the San, uh, to the um, Hall of Fame. So either choice that he makes, whether leaving his career as the best all time in points production for Chicago. Mm-hmm which is a thing that only happens that only changes every few years or being another guy to get four cops, four rings, which admittedly is a fairly exclusive club club. I can see him doing either. I guess it's probably going to depend on who he's going to play with, but even there, he's a 27, he's a, he's a 2007 draft pick. The guys that he, most of the guys that he came in with, long gone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think that there's. I want to see it. I want to see it happen. I want to see it. Happen. I want to see. I think there's like 15, 20 guys left from that draft. Uh, sure. I mean, him, Logan Couture, JVR, um, Brian McDonough, Lars Eller. Um, but there's a lot of guys who are probably close to the end of their tether. Um, so it's not like he's going to have one of the guys he was playing in the London Knights with, or many of the guys he's going to be playing on the London Knights with, uh, to go, uh, to go finish his career with elsewhere. Um, sure. There's a lot of guys who have, who have wandered through the Chicago system in his career. Um, but if he decides to go play in Buffalo for a year, if he knows he's only going to do it for a year or two, and he wants to keep playing it because he's 30, he'll be 34 early next month, a month from now. Um, so th- this plus two more seasons, that would bring him to 35 in midseason. No, 36 midseason. One more year after that, if he can, even if he, assume he drops down to 0.8 points per game over that time, not unreasonable. Still good production. No one's got to complain about it. Um, Swan song in his hometown. I can see that. But based on what we've seen from him the last four seasons, I don't think that if he stays there that long, he's going to fail to do it. Like three, this and two more seasons, that he's going to fail to do it. So he stays with. So he stays with Chicago until he passes Makita, and then goes elsewhere to call it a day. That's I don't. More, I, I think that's more likely a scenario. I mean, unless he just at the end of this year just signs somewhere else. I don't want to see him leave. I don't want it, but I think that he, I don't know, maybe cups aren't that important when you've won three of them in five years, but just, 
I mean, the guy's obviously still playing at a very high level. 92 points in 78 games last season. 66 Absolutely. in all 56. Seven, 84 points in the 70 games of the strike sh- uh, the, the pause-shortened season. I mean, 110 points in 18-19 in 81 games. I mean, damn. <laughs> He's not fading. Um, not really. He- we're running a little bit heavy on time again, and uh, one more thing that has, that was running across Twitter in the last 10 days or so, uh, we chose not to comment on it last week. Um, there were some serious allegations posted by a account that no one seemed to be able to trace uh, on Twitter against Ian Cole. Um, he was suspended pending an investigation. The NHL did investigate. They spoke to him on at least two occasions. Um, They found no substance to the, uh, as the article puts it, the, uh, this is on NHL.com. The investigation of the allegations, which were made anonymously in a social media post on October 7th, was conducted by the league security and legal departments. The, league, uh, the investigation included two separate interviews with Mr. Cole, as well as interviews with NHL club personnel and other individuals with potentially relevant information. Further, the inci- further the investigation included a detailed review of online and social media, uh, public data and court records and law enforcement check-in checks. Uh, in addition, despite attempts by the league to make contact with the anonymous source of the social media post, the efforts were unsuccessful. On the basis of the foregoing, the NHL, uh, the National Hockey League, now concludes the matter closed. Um, due diligence done, whether you believe that there's an anonymous person out there who was actually accosted or not, legally there's not anything further that can be done. Um, I'm glad that they moved in a timely manner. Um, because no one deserves to have this hanging over their heads. Well, we we saw the story. Was it a week or two ago uh, on 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 the Sunday after we had done the show? Yep, it was last Saturday Sunday actually. Chose not to comment on it because there wasn't anything substantiated. The NHL hadn't even at that point made a move. They made a move the ver- they as far as I could tell, they actually made a move the next day in suspending. Ian, it was either the Monday or the Tuesday after the story came out. They suspended him and pending the investigation. They've done their investigation and they discovered that there was nothing to discover or that, it, you know, all the efforts unsuccessful, anonymous sources. We're not here to say whether something did or didn't happen. But based on investigations that were done, they haven't found anything. The matter is considered closed. And I like the fact that they moved quickly, like you said. I like the fact that they were thorough about it. And back to playing hockey. Last call uh, before we go for those who love and hate him. Um, all reports on Bruins uh, practice is that Marchand is moving pretty G-dang well. And 
that hockey fans is where we leave you. Have a wonderful week. Um, I'll have another poll or two up uh, during the week. You can always check my feed. I usually have the latest pinned uh, to my profile uh, at Puck Sage. And Chris is at the Offwing. Have a great week, folks.